A Blizzard of Backlash, Part 9, World of Wordcraft. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we once again return to our Blizzard of Backlash series for Part 9, World of Wordcraft. And this video is primarily going to be reflective upon an article that came out in PC Gamer almost simultaneous to the video that we did over the weekend doing the ConCon in respect of the apology that President of Blizzard Entertainment uh, J. Allen Brack gave at the start of those opening ceremonies. But this was an article that was done by author Stephen Mesner as part of a phone conversation that he had with Mr. Brack in which Mr. Brack answered a number of questions related to this whole Blitzchung controversy and how Blizzard has handled it. And the answers to these questions, in my opinion, are somewhat contradictory, both to themselves and also to the previous statements that Blizzard had made, either in the apology to the opening ceremonies or that original statement, that Friday night press release dump that they did on Friday night of October 12th. And so I want to go over some of these things with you, and I really want to talk about what Blizzard's doing here, because as I think you've probably heard me say as part of this series, there are portions of what Blizzard is doing that I am sympathetic to. I think Blizzard does have the authority to control what goes into its direct broadcasts completely. I think that that's an important thing for a company to want to devote resources to, to have these broadcasts, to have these tournaments, to have this kind of public-facing image, to be able to say what's okay and what's not okay. And that's not really that unusual. I think you get that from basically every company that has any kind of forward-facing public relations arm. What is unusual here is that they appear to have been taken off guard. They appear to be using these rules that are hugely broad. And by having these hugely broad rules out there, they are trying to claim both in their apology and in this article that we're about to read, the fact that they are only going to use it for good. They're only going to use it in this very specific way. But the rule affords them all this additional authority. And so what we have is what you may have heard me refer to in the last video as a chilling effect, which is a legal term, which primarily means you can have a rule, you can have a law, you can have a statute that you assert in a specific way that might be okay, but the end result of actually having it on the books, even if you promise not to use it the way that it could be used to do something unconstitutional, for instance, the way that you have it on the books prevents people from even walking up to the line because they know that they could get killed by you if you decide to do that on that day. And that's really what's happening here. That's what I object to much more than Blizzard simply saying we want to control the content of our actual messages. And they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. And I want to talk about how that's happening because I do think it's interesting. And I do think we should hold their feet to the fire on things like this because there are corrections that can be made. We'll see at the end of this video. But one of the things that I will say is, okay, if this is your stance, I don't necessarily love it completely, but it's an acceptable stance. It's within the bounds of normalcy. You need to change your rules. You need to change your rules to reflect exactly what you are saying here, because right now your rules are far, far, far too broad. And we're going to see an example of how they are far too broad from something that happened actually even before the October 12th statement came out, but which is reflective of a kind of chilling effect for all the people in the universe of Blizzard personalities. So let's take a look at this article because I think this really was very enlightening and I thank PC Gamer for it. Blizzard president clarifies decision to ban Hearthstone player and two casters over Hong Kong controversy. BlizzCon 2019 opened on a somber note yesterday 
with the whole apology thing. And they said, despite that stated comment, Brack did not address Blizzard's decision to ban Ng Wai and the two Taiwanese casters. After the first day of BlizzCon came to a close, PC Gamer was contacted by one of those casters who wanted to express their frustration at Blizzard's apparent decision to uphold the ban against him. Expressing myself is exactly what I did during casting, said Virtual, who prefers to not use his real name. So why is Blizzard still banning me for six months? Brack was willing to address that question directly in a phone interview with me this afternoon. PC Gamer's question. I wanted to revisit the statement you made at the beginning of the opening ceremony yesterday. You said, Blizzard is committed to everyone's right to express themselves in all kinds of ways and all kinds of places, and you made a commitment to do better going forward and that your actions are going to matter more than words do. We covered all of that in the video this weekend. Are you going to be repealing the punishment against Blitzchung and the two Taiwanese casters involved in this incident? J. Allen Brack, Blizzard president, we are not. Why? So, one of the things that we talked about in the commitment to expression about all kinds of ways and all kinds of places is the fact that we are huge believers in free speech and we are huge believers in free expression. We, long, we have a long history of that being part of the culture of the company for employees. That's certainly part of the culture of the relationship that we have with the community. And so, employees are free to post on their social media accounts. If you think about the people that we have that are esports athletes, our grandmasters like Blitzchung, or anyone who is participating in esports, they are free to say and do whatever they want on their social channels. I feel like we have a far more open set of guidelines and policies than really any other traditional sport that takes a view around making sure that all of the people stay on message. And so that's how we think about free exp expression and how we've contextualized it. Okay, that is a perfectly reasonable, well thought out kind of concepting for what you want the contours of your powers to be blizzard. Okay, that might not be something that everybody likes. It's not something that I love from a company, but it makes sense, right? They want to go out there with their broadcasts. They want people to focus on the games. That's why they're broadcasting the games. However, we are not going to try to stay above you as big brother and monitor your social media channels. And we don't care what is said on your social media accounts. But I think it's worthwhile now. We've gone a number of videos without going back to it directly to actually look at the rule that they used against Blitzchung. So I've pulled up now the current updated version of the Grand Master's Rules. This is from Section 6, Player Conduct and Prize Deductions. We see here the list of things that Blizzard can use to penalize a Grand Master. It says, Grand Master's players will be held to the highest standards of personal integrity and good sportsmanship. Grand Master's players are bound by the standards of player conduct outlined in Section 6 of the Handbook and the rule infractions and penalties outlined in Section 7 of the Handbook, as well as these. Those are incorporated into this rule set by reference. In addition to the foregoing, the following conduct will reduce Grandmaster player prize totals by the following amounts. All prize deductions will be decided in Blizzard's sole discretion and are final and binding once communicated to the player receiving the deduction. So we've got violations of sportsmanship in B, violation of streaming blackout periods in C, sharing a Battle.net account in D, Players found to be engaged in account boosting in E. Violation of the in-game disruption or harassment standards in F. A Grandmaster player will be found to be in violation of the handbook for failure to submit a deck list in G. Uh, failure to check in on time in H. 
player who fails to utilize any travel or lodging benefit paid for and booked by Blizzard will have the actual cost of the unutilized travel or lodging benefit deducted in I. So if you don't use the stuff we paid for, you get that deducted from you. A Grandmasters player who damages or otherwise harms any lodging accommodations, if you're having a big Hearthstone party and the lamps come down in your hotel room, you get that deducted in J. Uh, failure to follow specific tournament instructions in K. And this goes on and on and on until we get to O, which is what they actually penalize Blitzchung under. Engaging in any act that in Blizzard's sole discretion brings you into public disrepute offends a portion or group of the public or otherwise damages Blizzard's image will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's prize total to zero US dollars in addition to other remedies which may be provided for under the handbook and Blizzard's website terms. You say, Rick, well, everything else kind of relates to the tournament, although it doesn't exactly, right? We've got things about lodgings. We've got, if you break the hotel room, we can take money away from you. And if you look immediately above O, you have something that completely doesn't relate to the tournament at all. Being charged or convicted of committing a criminal offense by a state, local, or national government will result in removal and reduction in U.S. dollars to zero, etc. So this is designed to cover the entire universe of things. And that makes sense from a lawyer's perspective. A lawyer writes something like, oh, to say, hey, you don't know what somebody's going to say on social media. You don't know whether they're going to be in some tabloid article doing something that's really going to look bad when they say Blizzard Grandmasters Champion next to their name. So you want to have a blanket right to do these various things. Of course, that blanket right means that it attaches to social media accounts, right? If something happened on your social media account that was just beyond the pale, in Blizzard's sole discretion, they can do all these things to you. And so what Blizzard needs to do right now is they need to change this rule. They can maybe keep it as long as there's an exception for, we are not actually going to penalize you for political statements made in other venues, including on social media, in your writings, on your blog posts, what have you, that those won't qualify for something that we determine to bring you into public disrepute or offend a portion of the public. Because I'll tell you right now, any single political statement you make on Twitter, Facebook, on your blog post, in a news interview, anywhere, is going to offend a portion of the public. All right, I've been on Twitter for a couple years now. I'm sure there's any number of statements that I have made that have offended someone somewhere or a portion of the public. And that, if I'm a lawyer, I'm looking at a portion of the public, meaning two or more people, right? I think that any statement could do that. And that's what we talk about when we talk about chilling effect is that they use this blanket rule. They say that they won't. And that's all well and good. And certainly people should hold them to that in the immediate aftermath of this apology and this statement to PC Gamer and this whole Blitzchung incident. They say that they won't, but that doesn't get you anywhere when we're talking about contract terms. This is something that I mentioned in part three of this series, but waiving a contract term, one party saying, okay, we're not going to apply the full breadth of our powers and authority to hurt you under our contract because we don't want to in this instance. That waiver doesn't count for the next time. And since it doesn't count for the next time, the effect of it in real life is for people to not want to walk up to the line to not put on their social media accounts free Hong Kong, or even I think Blizzard Activision is doing the wrong thing, or that they should be ashamed of their apology at the start of their opening ceremonies, or whatever you might otherwise say. That if you bring the Blizzard name into public disrepute, if you offend a portion of the public, then Blizzard can determine the next day to take all your money away, initiate a suspension or a ban, and treat you like Blitzchung. So all of this stuff here, is a perfectly reasonable philosophy that Mr. Brack espouses. It is not the philosophy that is contained in their current rules. 
continuing with his answer. We want the official broadcasts, which are a smaller percentage of the overall content that gets created to be about the games. And we want those to be focused on the games. Again, it's not about the content of Blitzchung's message. It's about the fact that it was not around the games. If we hadn't taken action, if we hadn't done something, you can imagine the trail that would be in our future around doing interviews. Okay. I, again, think that is an acceptable philosophy to espouse. We don't want to have to mess with free Hong Kong or one China or any number of other things in our official broadcasts. There are a couple things I would say about that. First, absolutely change the rule. Make clear that we are not going to chill these statements outside of our official broadcasts. Make it obvious that when we are talking about these kinds of things, political statements, statements that are away from the game, that we are talking solely about official broadcasts. That needs to be changed in the current rules and certainly in next year's rules. The other part of it is, if I'm Blizzard, I would probably be more wary of kind of walking up or even crossing that line myself. I would perhaps not have official broadcasts be a place where we talk about political anything, whether it's from the president or from the CEO of Activision Blizzard, whoever it might be, that you really should stop and think about the kind of setup that you're maintaining in your broadcasts because other people are going to be inclined to follow your lead. And so when we talk about rainbow pins, when we talk about other political initiatives that Blizzard might otherwise espouse in very official contexts like the opening statement of BlizzCon, I think if I'm Blizzard, one of the things I'm saying is, okay, we need to be more cognizant of that because if the official broadcasts are going to be focused solely on the games, we need to focus them solely on the games. And then, yes, outside of official broadcasts, let's absolutely espouse whatever it is that we want to espouse. But when we're talking about the games specifically, let's talk about the games. And we can set an example. We can be the leaders out in front of only talking about the games because that's all we ultimately want to do. Because you are right. And again, this is where I'm sympathetic. If you just allow the statements to go and not do anything, then you are going to have people making statements more and more often in your interviews. Now, I think personally your handbook required a warning here if there hadn't otherwise been an incident with Blitzchung or with these casters, but that's not up to me. And so you do have ultimate discretion in the rules that you've currently set out, and I would correct those rules, but this philosophy isn't necessarily problematic as much as the current universe of rules that you have set out for people to follow. So... Continuing with PC Gamer's question. So Blizzard's perspective is that, of course, you want players to express themselves, except for when it's taking place through official channels. That's right. Is it fair to say that if Blitzchung had said any political message, it would have incurred the same punishment? It wasn't that he was specifically calling for Hong Kong's freedom. It was that he was saying anything political. That's correct. The content was not the problem. It was the fact that it was not about the game in question. It was something very specifically different. I think... And I don't want to speculate around if he had said this, that, or the other, and how it would have gone. I think that's a difficult thing to think about, but it's not about the content of the message. Now, you can see some equivocation here, right? And one of the things that really jumped out in the October 12th statement was the fact that the content wasn't supposed to matter. This is supposedly the exact same person answering this question here immediately after the opening ceremonies of BlizzCon and answering this question here on the October 12th statement regarding last weekend's Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament. We scroll down, we scroll down, we scroll down. And we see here, we have these rules to keep the focus on the game and on the tournament to the benefit of a global audience. And that was the only consideration in the actions we took. If this had been the opposing viewpoint delivered in the same divisive and deliberate way, we would have felt and acted the same. And I think it's worthwhile to note this equivocation because it certainly sounds like Blizzard isn't committed 
to having acted the same or feeling the same about the opposite end of things. I think, and I don't want to speculate around if he had said this, that, or the other and how it would have gone. I think that's a difficult thing to think about. And look, I've advised clients on how to talk to press. I've advised clients on how to talk to the other side in in particular circumstances where things can go a little bit sideways. And this is a normal way of essentially saying, I don't want to commit to hypotheticals, right? I don't want to comment on hypotheticals because I want to reserve the right to re-examine them in the future. However, that goes in the face of actually commenting on the specific hypothetical from only, you know, three weeks ago. So this is one of those areas where I think people rightly look at Blizzard and say, you don't actually know what you're saying, either originally on October 12th in the opening ceremonies or now in this phone interview. You don't feel like a company. You don't feel like a leadership structure that actually has a philosophical position that you are willing to maintain. You've kind of arrived over the long haul at this official broadcasts matter, non-official broadcasts don't. We would ask you to change those rules. But this kind of concept of if you had said the opposite thing, that it's only the content that doesn't matter. That if you say anything political, you will be in trouble and you're not willing to commit to that wholeheartedly in this answer. That gives everybody else pause. And it continues that kind of chilling effect. One thing that I'm curious about, this is the PC Gamer question, that has been downplayed in all of this is the two Taiwanese casters and their role in the incident. Yeah, we haven't talked about that much in the Blizzard of Backlash series. I want to understand their punishment specifically. I've been in contact with one of them, and understandably, they're quite frustrated with how things have played out. They don't feel like they're to blame for what Blitzchung had to say. Are the Asian Pacific casters or any of your esports casters given specific training on how to handle on-air breaches of protocol? I think that we have a long history of long relationships with a lot of different casters. It's clear that the goal is to have the broadcast move forward and be about the games. There's a lot of different interpretations around the Taiwanese casters and whether they were involved with Blitzchung or not. But that's not really something we considered. Before we get into the rest of his answer, there's different interpretations of whether the casters helped along Blitzchung or not, and we don't really care. That's not really something we considered. That's a really interesting statement. You don't care? You don't care if the casters weren't involved at all, and Blitzchung went off and did his own thing. You're still willing to penalize them because they didn't tase him? They didn't gag him when he was about to say something? They didn't rope him in? What? What would you have had them do? Continuing with his answer, what we considered with them was that they are hired by Blizzard to do a job. And in this case, that job is to keep the broadcast focused on what it needs to be focused on, which is the games, the winners, and the stories coming out of there. They were not successful in their job. That's how we made the decision on that. So just so we're clear, Blizzard's stance on the Taiwanese casters is it's your job to control what comes out of the mouths of the people that you are interviewing. And if something bad comes out, we will punish you as if you were the ones that had said this thing that so offended us. Can you imagine if this standard were applied to people like, say, the president of the company? I mean, the president of the company hires the officers below him, which hires the management below that, which ultimately winds up hiring things like Taiwanese casters, which so failed in their job that Blitzchung said this statement that threw Blizzard into a tizzy for a month and a half. Now, if you keep going up and the sins of the father are always your sins, the Taiwanese casters are responsible for Blitzchung. The person that hired the Taiwanese casters is responsible for them. The person that hired that person is responsible for that person all the way up to the top. 
As a matter of fact, is there any worse failing of a job than having to open your biggest conference of the year with an apology, quote unquote, to actually try to cover this issue and to admit to your failing? Should you be penalized for six months, Mr. Brack? I don't think so. I don't think that's the way you want to run a company. That's not the way anybody wants to run a company. You can't have expected the Taiwanese casters to just jump across the table and stop Blitzchung from saying what he was going to say. And so if that's not the case, then you really have to look at what this standard is. I'm relatively okay with the opposite of this, that you think that they were involved, that they were trying to encourage him to say something like this, to coax him on and to say, all right, it's pretty clear from circumstantial evidence that they were involved in this whole thing and they encouraged it. And so we don't trust them. And so they're responsible to say, we didn't really consider whether they were involved. We consider that they had a job to keep it focused on games and that this person they were interviewing started saying something else. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. That cannot be the answer if you're Blizzard. And that's why we're having this video is that these answers are so, so crazy. There's been a suspicion that China and your Chinese business had an influence on the decision and the statement Blizzard made. Can you confirm for me on the record whether NetEase or any of your Chinese partners didn't have any sort of influence on the decision in this incident? Okay, glad you asked that because I'd love to be very clear. The first thing that I want to talk about is that there is a massive amount of either confusion or non-understanding around what the regulations are in China. Blizzard is not legally allowed to operate or to publish games in China. You must have a partner. That's right. There's a whole bunch of Chinese regulations and laws that require you to essentially have a joint venture or uh, a Chinese company that does most of the ownership, most of the stuff in China, because that's the way the Chinese government likes it. That is the regulation. That is the law. NetEase is our partner over there in China. NetEase is not a government agency. NetEase is a company. They are the publisher. One of the things that has come, kind of come up around this is the Blizzard Weibo post and the text around that. We are not legally allowed to operate those channels. We are not legally allowed to contribute. That is a NetEase decision. They are the publisher in China. Okay, so we talked about that a little bit earlier in the series, but this was a post that had as part of the statement around this whole Blitzchung penalty that they were going to defend uh, the pride or dignity of China or the land or, or something along those lines, depending on your translation. And with that, that was one of the areas where people pointed to it and said, Blizzard isn't being sincere about what they are saying about content because they do have this post out there that regardless of whether it was written by NetEase was under the Blizzard name from the Chinese account in, in the Weibo system. And so they are saying that they're not allowed to contribute. They're not allowed to operate it. I have no doubt that that's the case. I have significant doubts that they aren't allowed to have a conversation with NetEase about whether or not they can have a statement like that. We see a little bit further on that he says, we did not authorize it. We did not approve it. We would not have approved it had they asked. It's a little bit unclear whether the actual communications pipeline here is such that NetEase is just allowed to put whatever they want under the Blizzard name on Chinese Weibo. I can't imagine that's the case, but maybe it is. And if it was the case before all this, I can't imagine that it isn't a little bit different now because this did get them into a lot of hot water. I think it's remained up. I don't think it was ever deleted. So you do have this circumstance where they can't control NetEase and that's clearly causing them some pain. He then continues, was NetEase in conversation around this issue? They were certainly, as was the Blizzard Taiwan team, as was the Hearthstone leadership team, as was the esports team. Let's stop right there. NetEase, which is established as a Chinese company, which is established as their publishing partner, was in conversation around this issue. This was the group of people that talked about what they were going to do vis-a-vis -vis Blitzchung. And if we go back to the October 12th statement, we have one very specific sentence here. 
I want to be clear, our relationships in China had no influence on our decision. Our relationships in China had no influence on our decision. Obviously, that was never, ever the truth. And that's one of the things we called out when we originally looked at this statement. But to have a sentence out like that, to then not even a month later have a sentence out that says, of course, NetEase was in the room helping us make this decision, just continues this kind of narrative that Blizzard will talk out of whatever side of its mouth is most convenient to whatever outlet and ask you to accept it. And hey, if you want to accept it, that's fine. As I said in my past video, Diablo 4 looks awesome. But understand that they really are just trying to navigate these waters with whatever answer they think will make the most sense to the person asking the question. Or, in the case of the October 12th statement, the fact questions that they ask themselves. But you get situations like this where they actually admit, hey, NetEase was in the room helping us make this decision. And that, for all intents and purposes, is their relationship in China. So the actual sentence that was in their October 12th statement, if you were to actually bring that up and ask it, I think they would have to rescind to some extent to say, well, it was never meant to be interpreted that way. We're sorry it was interpreted more broadly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the case with what Blizzard is doing right now. They are, they are acting rapidly. They are acting quickly. They are trying to respond to all these things, and they are not doing a very good job of it. And that's what they say next. All these various constituencies came together, and one of the things that we said was that we acted very rapidly. We acted very quickly. And that's certainly the failure of this story is that those groups coming together and deciding in a very short amount of time what the right action to take forward was. However, I think that the assumption there is, yes, okay, rapid action was wrong. They now believe that after October 12th, the action is correct, that a six-month ban for everybody, the Taiwanese casters, Blitzchung, is totally appropriate. They haven't defended that stance. They haven't actually said why that specific number is appropriate, why it shouldn't have been a warning, why everything else has happened the way it has happened. And then they essentially want credit for being graceful to work with the casters again, potentially after six months down the line. Now, I didn't read every bit of this from this article. I find this hugely illuminating, as you can probably tell from this video. I will link this in the description to the video. Please check it out. The other thing I wanted to bring up here is something that was flagged for me in both Reset Era and on my social media account. We've got here a tweet uh, from Joseph LaRussa, who says, in case you were worried, part eight might be the last video. And he then links to a VG247 article about how an Overwatch League coach was told to delete a Hong Kong tweet. And this is actually an article from yesterday, the 3rd of November, but if we read on, it doesn't actually apply to something that happened in this time frame. So we're going to look at that. A well-known Overwatch League coach was recently instructed to delete a Hong Kong tweet posted in support of Chung Blitzchung Ying Wai. And again, whenever you see an article like this, pay attention to the passive voice, right? Was recently instructed conveniently leaves out who might have instructed him to do that. And the reason it does is because no one appears to know. But let's take a look at the tweet. While I recognize the right that Blizzard Entertainment has to enforce their rules and standards on competitors such as Blitzchung, I condemn the censorship and severity of consequences brought against an individual who was campaigning for a human rights social movement in favor of Hong Kong, but still saying, hey, Blizzard, yes, gets to control what they get to control, but we can still call them to the mat for it. And I think that's a perfectly fine stance to take. It's a perfectly fine quote to have out there. You see, uh, he is apparently a big figure in esports and in Blizzard. Uh, but you also see that this tweet was made October 9th, 2019. And so this article comes up October 9th. That's actually between Blitzchung being banned and their statement from October 12th. But what this is still useful to explain. So this doesn't have anything to do with their apology. This doesn't have anything to do with their current interview. What it does have everything to do with 
is the concept of a chilling effect, right? Fuel assistant coach Jane condemns treatment of banned Hearthstone player, says he was directed to delete critical tweet. He was directed to delete a tweet. Jane via Twitter direct messaging declined further comment. Activision Blizzard and Envy Gaming, owners of the Overwatch League franchise Dallas Fuel, did not immediately respond to request for comment. And that's as far as this article goes from way back in between in the interregnum period before that October 12th statement came out. And all this basically establishes is that we don't know who directed him to delete a tweet. He didn't establish whether it was Blizzard or whether more likely it was his bosses at Envy Gaming or maybe his direct boss, whatever, whoever the, the main coach of this league franchise might be. But the point of this is if it's Activision Blizzard, okay, that's bad enough. They're going into the social media accounts that they promised they won't do ultimately a month later, but they did it in this period where they hadn't quite decided on that stance. That's bad, but maybe not awful. Where you get into something that is actually awful is this concept that Envy Gaming asked him to delete the tweet, which I think is far, far, far more likely. And why would they ask him to delete the tweet? It's probably not necessarily because of anything in his current contract. It's because you see Activision Blizzard ban Blitzchung and you don't want anything landing on your doorstep if you have an Overwatch League franchise. And so you say, hey, guy, you can't say something like that on your social media cut because look at what Activision Blizzard just did to this guy. And so that's what we talk about. That's what we mean when we say chilling effect. Even though you've got the president of Blizzard Entertainment now three weeks later saying, we're not going to go look at employees' social media accounts, that isn't something that is terribly easy to be believed. And because it's not easy to believe, you've got this whole universe of adjacent bodies, including Overwatch League franchise owners, that are going to look at something like a tweet like this gentleman made and say, we can't walk that close to the line because we've invested this huge amount of money. If Activision Blizzard decides that they wake up on the wrong side of the bed the next day and want to punish us for a tweet like that, we can't afford to lose this investment. Please delete it. We're very sorry, but they can't be trusted with this power, this total authority that they've taken on. And so you can't mess with it. That's the chilling effect. That's what Blizzard has established right now in their behavior and in the breadth of the rules that they have established. And yes, this is a month old, but I did see it going around in response to the apology that was made at the start of the opening ceremony. So I do think it's an interesting story, but it's interesting primarily for me because of how it shows that you don't need to be Activision Blizzard to actually have your entire kind of subsidiary structure start to enforce the breadth of these rules for you because you aren't clear about how they can be enforced and to the full extent that you don't wish them to be enforced. So at the end of all this, I would call for Blizzard, for J. Allen Brack, for Activision, for whomever else to really take a look at their rules. If you want to get in front of this, I think I can defend, hey, we don't want anybody to say anything on our official broadcasts. Okay, that makes total sense to me as a corporate lawyer. But you also shouldn't be kind of diving deep into everybody else's actions everywhere and anywhere. And so while you maybe need an umbrella statement in your rules to some extent, you need to craft an exception for statements made. You need to craft an exception for things that might offend people just as speech. And if you craft that exception, I think you will be in a far better position to actually reflect what you are going out there and telling people is your stance. Because as I say to my clients, as I've said in this series, we are not in the trust me business. That contract provision is way, way, way too broad. And we can't take on faith that you won't enforce it against us when maybe the next president comes around or when you just decide that you don't like me.
That's been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, please like, please subscribe to this channel. We're talking about these kinds of things all the time. Otherwise, if you caught this video on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.